Hello everyone and welcome back to the special broadcast, Keith Crosby, Out of My Mind, and we are talking about the issue of porn. This is our second and final installment. This is about breaking free from... Now the last time we talked, to no one's surprise, we decided that porn is harmful. We noted the many ways that porn harms and kills literally, spiritually, and otherwise. It is not a victimless crime but a crime with many victims, from the single perpetrator or porn user to those on film or video, and those related to the user, and like family or spouse, and those associated with the making of porn. They're all part of this horrendous crime. Porn is a crime against God, nature, and all of its participants. It fuels the illicit human trafficking industry. It is like a gateway drug, for lack of a better term, to more lurid, perverse, and dangerous types of behaviors. We described it as a slow motion suicide and a slow motion murder because it takes life. Feeding the porn industry brings about death to others and your own willing participation brings about death to you in a manner of speaking as it kills your conscience, your soul, uh, and aspects of your life, your witness, your testimony as a Christian. It's death by a thousand cuts and gradually it, it it takes over your life. It creates a physiological reaction that increasingly requires more and more porn to satisfy the endocrinal or hormonal responses that it stimulates in your body. Like a drug addict, it wants more and more porn. It takes more and more of this drug to satisfy your so-called addiction. Now here's where we have to be careful, and we must be careful. Our culture tries to destigmatize our wrong moral choices and their effects by giving them medical sounding terminology or labels like addiction. And as we discussed, and we must reiterate using the term addiction, uh, addiction is just a term we use to communicate an idea. It's really just a bad habit or a besetting sin. It's just a medical term that's become common in our culture. But addiction, or whatever you want to call it, more often than not results from bad moral choices. It is part of sin and its consequences. It's part of that Romans 6.23 equation, the wages of sin is death. Our moral choices, as we've discussed, have consequences. And if you want to beat this addiction, this porn addiction, then you really must want to do just that. There are no half measures. There's no easy way out. There is a clear path to freedom. What's involved in that? While it's easy to describe, it's difficult to implement and maintain. Step one involves taking responsibility. Let's be clear, you've sinned and you've sinned willingly and all the 12-step meetings or sex addict anonymous meetings in the world will make no difference if you don't take responsibility and call it what it is. It's sin and it's not sin against a higher power or an ideal. It's a sin against the one true God, the creator of the universe, the one who made you for a particular purpose which you're not pursuing as you're pursuing porn. Fundamental to having the power to change, of course, is to know God personally. That is to be born again. What does that mean? It means that you admit that you're a sinner, that Christ, you believe he is the Savior, and you commit yourself to him. ABC, you believe that Jesus died for your sin, and you call upon the name of this Jesus to be saved. He went to the cross for you, he suffered in your place, and he calls you to repentance and faith. Now, in our last podcast, I may have offended some of you by referring to porn users as perpetrators or calling them high-tech peeping toms, but part of accepting responsibility is taking responsibility. That means coming to terms with that these ideas are indeed factual. 
you are engaging in a perverse sort of voyeurism by choice and the fault is yours. You cannot blame shift. You've got to accept, you've got to take responsibility for your action. Once you do that, and it may, be, it may start with becoming a born-again Christian, or it may start with repentance as a Christian who is being overcome by sin, but you take responsibility and then step two, you pursue and accept accountability. Your knee-jerk reaction as a peeping Tom or a porn user is going to be towards secrecy, a double life. You cannot afford to think this way any longer. You cannot manage this crisis alone. If you could, then you wouldn't be in this situation in the first place. You would not be in bondage to these perverse and harmful behaviors and urges. You need help. The book of Proverbs tells us that when two walk along together and another falls into a ditch, there's somebody there to pull him out. In Galatians 6, 1 through 5 sums up the need for accountability and how that accountability works and it sort of gives a framework and a mindset. So at this point, I'm addressing Christians who believe that the Bible is true, who look to the Bible as their authority. Ephesians 6, 1 through 5 says this, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him with a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch over yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. What's going on here? In this scenario, one has either been detected or caught in a sin, or is caught up in a sin in the sense that they are ensnared. You see that in verse 1. If anyone is caught in a trespass or a transgression, others come to his or her aid to help his or him or her, break free of the problem. You see this in 1b. And they do so and are doing so with a spirit or an attitude of gentleness. You see this in 1c. And you see the warning to keep watch over yourself unless you find yourself in the same situation. It's kind of a, by the grace of God, there go I thing that you probably heard about somebody quoting John Wesley or George Whitfield. The point is you seek responsibility, not anonymity. You see this whole idea of accepting responsibility and seeking accountability. Uh, in Psalm 32, confessing his sin before God. Psalm 32, 1 through 6, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity. Watch this. In, his, in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent about my sin, my bones wasted away. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me, and my strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time you may be found. What do you see here? There's no hiding the problem. You've got to admit it. You've got to confess it. You've got to address it to God and others. You must seek accountability to the kind that you find in Ephesians 6, 1 through 5, because you'll need the help. You cannot do it on your own. You need somebody to walk along with you, so if you fall into the ditch, they can help get you out. What does this involve? Well, seeking accountability and taking responsibility means going to a group of trustworthy people who are not, shall we say, sentimentally attached to you. A lot of times people cut you too much slack in the name of grace, and that kind of, that kind of slack, absent accountability isn't grace at all. So you go to people who are going to hold you accountable. Make an appointment with your pastor or ask for an appointment with an elder 
or make an appointment to get on the agenda of the next elders meeting. Disclose your sin problem to them and ask for help and accountability. Yes, it will be embarrassing. It might be humiliating, but it's good. And with their support, you can begin to take real action, meaningful action. Now, what does taking action involve? Well, here's where responsibility and accountability merge and strengthen one another. Maybe you set up a group text where you text every single day to a group of people, I am clean from porn today. And maybe you send that text at the end of your day or the beginning of the next day, but you send it, for lack of a better descriptive term, religiously, regularly, every day. Maybe there's a separate text regarding your spiritual disciplines because you've got to be engaged in prayer, the reading of God's word and worship. You know, and invariably those who lose the battle against porn lack discipline. They lack structure on multiple levels. Well, here's the level where you've got to have structure. There can't be sporadic Bible reading. There can't be sporadic devotions. There can't be sporadic prayer because if you do that, it will undermine and undercut everything else you do and you'll find yourself adrift. So taking action involves seeking accountability like these texts. Maybe you have two, two groups and two threads. But let me just give you a warning right here. In the end, it is all up to you. Yes, you have the power of the Holy Spirit. You have the Word of God and the people of God coming alongside you. You can choose failure. You can choose to lie about your texts. You can, oh, I missed a text today, sorry. You can do all kinds of things. You can dissemble. But in the end, you're failing to choose righteousness over porn. And you need to admit that, which means part of seeking responsibility and accountability involves taking action and choosing consequences. One of the challenges of psychotherapy today and most types of psychological counseling and psychoanalysis is they don't believe in sin and they don't believe in consequences. That's why people go to therapists for years and years and years. There are no consequences. There's no structure. There has to be consequences for a lack of change, a lack of repentance. Spend some time in Ephesians 4 or Colossians 3 where it talks about putting off the old man and putting on the new. Spend some time in Matthew 18 where Jesus talks about a progressive uh, discipline, a, a progressive accountability. You've got to build in a system of accountability because a lack of progress should have consequences. Therefore, You've got to have like milestones or timetables. There should be a zero tolerance for your sin if you were newly saved and converted serial killer, for example. There wouldn't be allowances, oh, I, I fell off the wagon and killed a few people today. It's the same with porn. There, there, there's just no, there should be a zero tolerance situation. Lying, dissembling, and deceit should be avoided. Now maybe your first milestone or timetable has to do with texting faithfully for six weeks and then nine weeks and then six months. Implicit in this is keeping clean for those periods of time. Add to this uh, milestones for Bible reading and prayer that you're doing this four out of seven days or five out of seven days or seven out of seven days. But the bottom line is, is you are, you're stopping something and you're replacing it with something else. Ephesians 4.28 says, let the thief who steals steal no longer that he may have something good to do with his hands and to give to those who have need. I also want to say that taking action means spending, like cash, all your time wisely. All of your time wisely. Spending. 
Think of time as money. You heard the old adage, time is money. Well, that works here. You've got to budget your time so that you spend all of it. Just like uh, the Dave Ramsey thing, you know, where you spend every dime you get. And some of that you spend is on savings. So you know where all of your time is going. That's what you've got to do. You can't have a lot of downtime. So you've got to fill up your calendar. You need to serve in your church, be involved in small groups, be involved in Sunday school, be in church whenever and however you can to rob yourself of the opportunity to sin. Taking action also is both positive and negative. Yes, there's the putting off and the putting on, but there's something that I call detaching and discarding. And where do I get that from? Well, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount dealt with low-tech pornographic thinking in Matthew 5, 27 to 30. And here's what he says. You've heard it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, everyone who looks on a woman with a lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his own heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body go into hell detach and discard. Basically, you've got to eliminate the stumbling blocks in your life, in your path. You've got to scan the landscape for every person, place, or thing that would cause you to stumble. It's, it's like the idea, drunks don't go to bars. There are certain places you shouldn't go. There are certain people you shouldn't hang with. You have to toss these things, lest they cause you or tempt you to sin. Another, another action that you can take is to keep a journal. Track the effects of your efforts in a journal. It is in this journal that maybe you engage in added prayer. You write letters to God about your day, about your struggles. And this way, too, you can keep track of your thinking and debrief yourself and others if necessary. You have this written record day by day. It can be very encouraging when you see how often you begin to pray and do pray. And you can see problems begin to develop when you skip a day or two or three of prayer or Bible reading or journaling. These are all steps in a walk of repentance. And while you've got to take the initiative to put one foot in front of the other, there are spiritual family accountability partners who are there supporting you in prayer and outright encouragement. So what do you do? Take action now. People often spend too much time thinking and too little time doing. Get after it right now. Is breaking free from porn easy? No, it's not. Is change that simple? Yes, it is. The problem is implement. Quitting porn takes work. It is difficult, though not impossible to quit. There are going to be urges that you're going to have to resist. Sin is crouching at the door, but you must rule over it. And in the power of the Holy Spirit, with a mind and heart informed by the Word of God and the encouragement of the people of God alongside you, you can overcome this. You can break free. Build a plan. Stick to it. Again, this doesn't mean it's easy, but it sure isn't impossible. So have hope and begin this journey of repentance and change now. We'll stop here. Uh, this is Keith Crosby with the Out of My Mind podcast. God bless you and God keep you.